Hey everyone, welcome to season two of the Hey Don't Do That podcast. We are so excited that you're here, and we promise that you're in for a treat. We're kicking off season two with the episode of Hey, don't tell people what to do. Enjoy. And so I was saying, okay, well, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, and then we need to do this, and we need to do this, and. I don't know, about halfway through, it dawned on me, and I'm like, oh my god, Liz, you're just spouting orders at people. And so then, by, by solving the problem for that person, we reinforce the fact that that's why they came to us in the first place, because they themselves are not capable of solving it. Yes, we often think that the person who's giving direction is like, that's when we have all the power, right? Because I'm telling you what to do. I get to tell you. But in reality, it's not the person who's doing all the talking that has the power. It's the person who's asking the right questions. Dale Carnegie says, the only surefire way to get someone to do something is to make the other person want to do it. Mm -hmm. So today we are talking about how do we get people to do things. Yes. My name is Liz. My name is Trey. And welcome to another episode of Hey, Don't Do That, Mm -hmm. where we explore the little things nobody tells you that have really big impacts on your motivation, effectiveness, and success. Yes. So Tree, true or false, there was a study done in 2007, and it found that on average, women say 5,000 more words a day than men. True. False. False. They found that both men and women use about the same number of words in a day. I just, I just had a stereotype. See, (laughs) it's because you're used to talking to me. (laughs) Okay, but do you? Okay, so how many words do you think they found? Like in an average day, about how many words will someone say? Seventy thousand words. Uh, You talk a lot. Actually, they found about 16,000. Oh, okay. <laughs> Way less. <laughs> you used almost your week's worth of words. I think it depends on who I'm dealing with. Yeah. Yes, context uh, Context is key based yeah. on who we're talking about. Um, I was thinking about uh, this topic recently. Um, I was having a conversation with someone who I work with. And I found in that conversation that... Is that person me? No, this person is not you. But I found in this conversation that I was telling them what to do. Um. And so I was saying, okay, well, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, and then we need to do this, and we need to do this. And I don't know, about halfway through, it dawned on me. And I'm like, oh my God, Liz, you're just spouting orders at people. Like, don't do that. They don't have anybody, this is not working. Like, don't just shout orders and tell people what to do. Ah, uh, yeah. It's funny Call you myself. That. It's funny that you brought that up because um, sometimes we do listening assessments. And one of the question is when people come to me and tell me things, I try to solve the problem right away. And if you rate yourself on that scale from one to five, you would probably say, I did that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a five. 100%. <laughs> it was a five. 100%. Well, I think that's one reason why people do it. 
right? We tell people what to do because they bring us a challenge or they bring us a problem and we yeah. think, oh, I can help. Yes. Let me tell you what to do. Yes. Like we want to solve their problem and we feel like we're helping them when we solve their problem. I think yeah. that's one reason people do it. It feels good to be able to be like, okay, you came to me for the for a solution and I gave it to you and then you went and you did it and it worked. Mm -hmm. Like it feels good yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. So why are we why are we telling people not to do that? What's wrong with it? Well, okay, have you read much like Brene Brown or have you ever listened to much Brene Brown? I've I've listened to some of her episodes and I've watched the, the Netflix documentary. Okay, so one of the things that she talks about that really kind of hit home mm -hmm. was the idea of shame versus guilt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So shame says like, I'm bad. Guilt says I, I did, did something yep. bad. bad. Shame is um, a much more powerful emotion in a really negative way. Because mm, it targets like who you are as yes. a person, right? Yeah. Yes. Versus like the actions that you took. And so one of the reasons that we don't want to just tell people what to do uh -huh. is because an employee comes to you, right? Someone on your team comes to you, someone from another department comes to you, and they think, oh, like, I need help. Uh -huh. This is hard. And it's easy to go into that, well, why do I need help? Why is this hard? Because, gosh, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Ooh. And so what happens yeah. is the manager swoops in and like swoops saves in. the day. And they're right. like, I can solve your problem. Watch this. Right. And then what it does is it reinforces, see, I'm not any good. I can't do this. Uh, I wasn't capable of that. I'm not yes. good enough to do this. Right. And so then, by, by solving the problem for that person, we reinforces the fact that that's why they came to us in the first place because they themselves are not capable of solving it. Yes, and then what happens is usually one of two things because we've just reinforced that feeling like, see, I'm not good enough. They have to help me. They have to solve my problems. Uh -huh. Then what happens the next time that we either bring up an idea or they run into a problem, one of two things happens. We either pretend it's not there, like, nope, I'm not dealing with anything. Everything's fine. It's under control, even mm -hmm. if there's really a dumpster fire yeah. going on behind you. Yeah. Or two, people become really defensive. And then when I suggest, right, hey, maybe we should think about it this way. That person's like, no, 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 no. Here's why. So it can either cause people to just be very dismissive and mm -hmm. ignore, or it can cause people to become defensive, defensive because now they're like, well, gosh, I'm not good enough. So I have to prove that I do know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. So when we tell people what to do, we're basically saying, yeah, you're not capable. You're not capable. I'm better than you. I'm more smarter than you. Mm -hmm. I know what to do. Let me just, you let don't. Let me just tell you. Yeah. Let me just tell you. And when when we're so busy, it's so much easier just to be like, let me just tell you what to do so I can I don't have to spend 15 minutes like tell me what happened. So what do you think you should do? Like what what is the best solution here? Sometimes we don't have time for that. So we just run into the problem solving mode right away. Right? And when it comes to us, because if you ask managers, you ask like, what are you looking for in your employee? Well, I want them to be able to think on, on their own. I want them to be able to problem solve. Well, if you just solve the problem for them, we're not coaching for that. We're not developing that aspect. And it's just start creating that cycle where it creates more work for you, for us as leaders, mm -hmm. right? 
So you hit on something that's so key. Mm -hmm. One thing that we hear from clients all the time is time. Like I'm, I'm busy. I have so much going on right now. I'm getting new people on my team. I'm trying to train people. We have really big projects. We're trying to work on expanding our market. They have so much going on and people will say, well, it's just easier. Yes. It is. It's just easier if I solve it myself. Yes. And it's, we sometimes have to step back and say mm-hmm. short term, long term. Yes. And the key, the key to going faster in the long term is to slow down right there, right? Because it's going to, you're going to, you're creating that return on investment further down the road because when you're slowing down with that instance, you're creating momentum for, um, for the future when that person now it takes them a little bit uh, as the learning curve to be able to do it themselves but now they have that capability they don't come to you as much mm-hmm. and we always want employees to have that owner mindset of that you know the ability to problem solve so we need to plan to see we need a coach for that mm-hmm. right yeah otherwise what happens is somebody becomes the bottleneck Yes. Where like nothing can get done because nobody is thinking for themselves. There's only one person on the team thinking. Yes. Or two people on the, you know, if you have two managers, two managers on the team thinking and everybody else is just waiting like, please tell us what to do. So what you're saying is by solving problems for people, you become the problem. Yes. By becoming the bottleneck. Yes. Yes. But we do it because we think it's easier because we think we have more experience. It's faster. Right. And we, we think that we're helping sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading this book, uh, called never slid the difference Mm -hmm. by Chris Voss. Awesome book. If you have not read it, highly recommend. Yes. And there's this sales rep that she's trying to tell this, this doctor telling him what to do to switch to a new medication. Like she wants him to do it, right? Uh-huh. And that's what she tried to do the first time, telling him all the benefits of this new medication that he should switch over. It didn't work <laughs> because really? it didn't work. I'm shocked. Because he was like, you're wasting my time. Why do I care about this, right? People don't resist change, they resist being changed. And yes. that's what she did. So she tried to tell him what to do, he resisted it. So she tried a different approach. She instead of going in telling him all about the product she listened to him she asked him about the challenges that he's facing and she also did something she said you know it resonate it really resonated with me that you take a lot of time and care into specifying the specific treatments for mm-hmm. each of your client and he said that's right and when you get the other person to say that's right they feel heard and then after they keep talking he told her about her challenges and then she summarized everything he said uh, back to him she built trust with him now he knows that she understands where he's coming from and her recommendation he bought in and she got the sales it's just, just such a different approach yes. yes so if we think about all of the things that maybe if you're a manager or a leader right there's things that you need your team to do Even if you're not a manager or a leader, my guess is we're seeing more and more organizations that are, they're flattening. Maybe you're in a more matrixed organization or you're working with your peers or maybe somebody doesn't have the direct authority, Mm -hmm. but like, I need you to do something so I can do something. We often think that the person who's giving direction 
is like, that's when we have all the power, right? Because I'm telling you what to do. I get to tell you. But in reality, it's not the person who's doing all the talking that has the power. It's the person who's asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. that's the person who's really controlling the conversation and steering things. That's the person who's actually making more progress. So if we think about making that shift from telling people what to do, it's not about what do I need to tell them, but what is it I should ask them? Because mm-hmm. when we ask yeah. the right question, yes. now we get to do that Dale Carnegie quote at the beginning, which is, you know what? Now you're bought in. Now you mm-hmm. want to do it. There was a, um, a study that says people are five times more likely to buy in when they've been asked questions. Yeah. And so yes. how do we find opportunities, right? What, how do we think less about what do I want to say and more about what do I want to ask? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay if we start with a goal, with like what we're trying to accomplish here. It's the conversation of how we go about doing it that we can... Um, ask questions instead of telling okay you do this you do that then again you're just telling people what to do and you become the problem down the road Mm -hmm. so we um we think of a concept of leading with intent instead of leading by just telling someone Mm -hmm. what to do to your point we want to know what that goal is right so when someone says hey i'm dealing with this problem Instead of us just jumping in saying, oh, well, let me solve the problem. If we think about intent, Mm -hmm. then we can say, hey, well, what's the end goal you're trying to reach right now? Yes. So now we're asking a question that's going to intent instead of just saying, oh, here's what you should do. Yes. Yes. And it goes back to how do we how do we know what people want is by asking, what are you trying to accomplish here? What's your end goal? Like, what's what are you trying to get to? Right, and then what we recommend and what we suggest they do ties to what they want to do. So instead of like telling them, like getting compliance, we get in cooperation because they see what's in it for me. That's the channel that we all listen to all the time in our head. Mm-hmm. Do you know one of the other really hard things about not telling people what to do? What? You do things differently than I do. Yeah. And like a lot of times in our head, our way is the right way. Our way is the best way. And so if I tell you what to do, you will do it my way. Uh Uh-huh. But if I give you options or if I really just ask you the questions and let you run, you might do it differently than me. And as a leader, right, as a peer, sometimes it's hard for us to say, maybe there are other ways. Sometimes we have to be more open-minded to letting people do things differently than we would do them. Yes, yes. And it's, um, I keep going back to, to this book as I'm reading it. Chris Voss says when you go into a negotiation with an idea of exactly how you want it to turn out, you're limiting possibilities of what could be even better things that you can get out of that negotiation. Like have a, have a direction, but don't be so fixed on exactly how you're gonna achieve it or how, how what the end goal will be because then um, you're so limited to it. Yeah. So one thing that we can do if we wanna stop telling people what to do is instead shift and first think about, okay, what's the intent or what's the end goal? Yeah, yeah. Two would be try to just be more open-minded, 
right? Remind ourselves that our way is not the only way or maybe not the best way to get things done. And then a third would be to ask questions. Instead of telling people what to do, think about what's the question I can ask here. Mm-hmm. And when we ask questions, one a really bad question to ask is a leading question. Yeah. Well, Tree, I mean, you do think if we did it this way, that would probably be the best, right? Yeah, you're, you're right, Liz, because you're my boss. Yeah, right. We can ask really bad questions <laughs> where it's basically like, I'm going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to like put it in a nice little package and make you think it's a question, even though you really know, okay, Liz is just telling me what she wants to do here, right? Yeah. Well, you, you were going to make that in PowerPoint, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm right. pretty much telling him, make that in PowerPoint, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to let it, that doesn't work. It's those true open-ended questions yes. of what do you think is going to be the best way to get this to a client? Yes, yes. Now um, I'm not telling him what to do. Mm-hmm. Avoiding those would you, could you, should you, right? Those are those could end up as leading questions and go into like the what, the how, and um, more open-ended questions that we can get more answers. All right, so Tree, if we do this, we stop telling people what to do. We start asking more questions, right? Letting them create. Um, why would we want to do that? Because we said it takes longer and mm-hmm. they might do something different than we would want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why would we, I mean, it's so much easier to just tell people. I could, I could think of a few reasons. <laughs> One is people support a world they help create. When I can come up with the idea of how to do something, I'm more motivated to do it because you said your ideas is always better than mine because it's yours. If I come up with the way to do something, I'm more committed to it because I come up with it. I feel good about executing that idea, right? And two, we get cooperation instead of compliance. And when we have people knowing how to problem solve on the team, you, we become less of the bottleneck, less of a problem solver, and together we can come up with new, even better possibilities. We always talk about diversity of thoughts. When we solve other people's problem, we're not tapping into that diversity of thoughts. Mm-hmm. So there's several reasons I can think of. Another one, like it's just annoying. When you're the other person and someone's just telling you what to do all day, every day, it's like, I'm. this is not fun for me. Yes. People want to think, they want to be challenged, they want to create. And when we take all of that away from them, like, I don't want to work with you anymore. Because every time I sit down and I have an idea, you just say, nope, here's the way we're doing it. Like, that's not fun for anyone. And it's kind of annoying to people when their ideas aren't welcome, when we never let them put in their thoughts. And when it's constantly just, well, it's going to be whatever the boss says anyway. It creates disengaged employees, and that's when people are gonna say, you know what, forget this, I'm gonna go find somebody else. Yeah. I'm gonna go work somewhere else. Yes, yeah. And in today's age, where you know AI is becoming more and more of our work life and our everyday life, we need um, individuals who can think for themselves, who are creative problem solvers, right? And we can start coaching for that and fostering that within the the team that we work with. Mm-hmm. So then we can have AI help us with the increasing our productivity and we can let yeah. the people 
be more creative and and, and uh, create new possibilities. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not gonna tell you <laughs> what to do in trivia, but uh-huh. I am gonna ask you five questions. <laughs> How are you feeling about trivia today, Tree? Um, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm gonna feel good about this. I'm whatever, whatever happens. I love that. I'm gonna, gonna sit in my coffee about it, and I'm gonna. Okay. Well, we're Give gonna. My best. We're gonna give you thirty-ish seconds to answer five questions here. Dang, you would think season two I would get more time, but I don't. I give you ish, okay? I give you ish because some of the questions sometimes they're long and trees to think about them. Okay. Um. All right. Army General George S. Patton uttered the following quote. He said, "Don't tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their results." Okay. Which war did he serve in? World War II. Yes. Oh. How many tricks can a well-trained dog learn on average? 15. Okay. What do you call a court order? <laughs> he said that was wrong. Just wait. You'll see. What do you call a court order requiring a person to do or cease doing a specific action? Oh, I don't know. Okay, which branch uh, branch of the U.S. military endures a three-day-long final test in boot camp called the Crucible? The Navy. No. How many question words are there in English? 20. Okay, Tree, you did, you got one right, and and I'm going to give you credit for the second one. So, um, George S. Patton did serve in World War II. That's a good quote. Don't tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their results. So, it's almost that idea of giving intent, right? Here's what we're trying to do. Yes. You figure we're out how. We're trying to accomplish. And, like, and, and then you're surprised there. with the results. So, yes, yeah. he served in World War II. Um, how many tricks can a well-trained dog learn on average? So, on average, you say it's somewhere between 20 to 30. But I was going to give you plus or minus five. So technically, I'll give it to you. Okay. Two questions right. Um, a court order that requires a person to either do or cease doing a specific action is called an injunction. Uh, okay. I know. I feel like I'd heard of that, but I don't think I would have guessed it. Yeah. No. no. But I'd heard of it. Mm-hmm. Injunction. Um, the branch of the military that endures a three-day-long final test in boot camp called the Crucible. It's the Army. The Marines. The Marines. Navies, Marine, Water... Yeah, the Crucible is Marines. Marines. Um, and then how many question words are there in the English language? There are seven. When you say question words, are you talking like how, what, yes, where? Yes, sir. Okay, so the seven okay. are who, what, when, where, why, how, and which. Which, ooh, see see if you can use those uh, question words and the next time you're coaching an employee instead of telling them exactly what to do. What a perfect action to leave us with. Yes, yeah. we all have things we want to tell people to do. Use one of those question words instead. There we go. We'll see you all next time on another episode of Hey, Don't Do That. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. We hope that you found something useful that you can implement into your life immediately. Continue to listen and follow us for more episodes that are thought-provoking and practical. Thank you.